Hi, I'm Maria Theohara Solvello Sos on social media. Welcome back to Sober 50 Podcast on Soul Organized Style. Grab a cuppa and relax with us. On Soul Organized Style Podcast, I begin today by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we record this podcast and pay respects to the elders past and present. Thanks for joining us on Sober 50 Podcast on Soul Organized Style. Soul 50 intersects with all communities. We're a community that is so over ageism. Sierra from Threaded Together is today's Sober 50 podcast guest. Thanks for being on Sober 50 today, Sierra. Thanks so much for having me, Maria. I'm so glad to be here. I heard you talk about Threaded Together on Punk Frockers podcast, episode 35 in October 2021. Can you tell us a bit about Threaded Together? Absolutely. Yeah. So Threaded Together is a small nonprofit that got started in Flagstaff, Arizona. And our mission is to inspire creativity and connection through textile arts programs that partner with participants to nurture inclusive communities, cultivate agency, and really help to develop employment pathways for people who faced all kinds of challenges, including institutional injustices. Our work has really been very exciting. We opened our physical doors in March of 2020, which if you remember how March of 2020 went, that uh, setting things up for it to be a little bit crazy. So our organization opened our doors right as the pandemic really started taking hold. And one of our kind of ongoing jokes with our team is that our executive director, Lindsay Watson, when she met our education director, The education director said, oh, there's absolutely no way there will ever be a sewing emergency in the world. And oddly enough, there was a sewing emergency almost right away. There was an urgent need for personal protective equipment, particularly in our community. I know they were having a hard time with back orders of masks and back orders of hospital gowns. And that shortage was something that we could step up and start to meet the needs that we were seeing in the community. And that translates a lot to the work that we do now. We really are passionate about showing up for people in any way we can and using sewing as a vehicle for positive change and for really taking care of people. So that started from the very beginning. We made tons and tons of hospital gowns. In fact, we made over 10,000 hospital gowns for both our local hospital here in Flagstaff and also a nonprofit called the Northern Arizona Volunteer Medical Corps. And they served communities on the Navajo Nation, the Hopi Nation near us and some of the areas that were hardest hit by the pandemic. It was a really great way to get started in that we were able to immediately start helping people in a tangible way. And we were also able to start sharing sewing skills to employ people right away, which is something that would go on to be the heart of one of our main programs. How were you notified of the needs for personal protective equipment for Indigenous communities? I remember when the, the kind of news was coming through that some of those communities were hit hardest and they just had really high numbers in medical facilities. And Northern Arizona Volunteer Medical Corps is really connected to the hospitals there. And we have some really great relationships also with hospitals on a couple of our neighboring nations. In 2020 alone, we were able to donate 3,750 mask kits to the Navajo and Hopi reservations. And what was really special about that was that there was a need for masks everywhere. Mask mandates are still in place in those communities, even as kind of COVID numbers start to back down finally. We were able to give kits, which was such a great thing because we were able to partner with those communities and really help to be an asset and to also allow there to be autonomy. And there are thousands of people who are really skilled there that wanted to share their skills and were able to do that. And we were able to just facilitate in that way, which was really cool. The kits that you provided, what was in those kits? 
Um, we had pre-cut fabrics. A lot of the time, I do believe that they were some of our surgical wrap, which was something that was donated to us from medical facilities. It's actually what they use to have like surgical materials wrapped in. Okay. And we had some of those that we used. They're autoclavable, totally sanitizable materials that made really good masks. We had nose bridges, elastic. We had elastic donated to us from the post office, which we were able to cut and use in mask kits and um, and in masks, which was really fun. Who knew the post office had that? Exactly. Of elastic anywhere, right? Right. Crazy. It's neat to see how people kind of came together. And in that mask making effort, we saw people from across the community. We partnered with our local chapter of Days for Girls. And they're an international aid organization. And their local chapter just stepped right in and helped us sew and we would just kind of come to the door and there would sometimes be boxes filled with finished masks. So it was a really, yeah, really neat period of time. It's answered a lot of different questions. It's really great that you've had such a lot of support to get those kits together and to get masks out to the community and communities that really were struggling to get any sort of resources to protect themselves from COVID at the time. Absolutely. It's been wonderful too, because we're still making masks. And we're still being asked for masks. So one of the things that we try really hard to do as a nonprofit is really listen to the community and try to meet the needs of people that are that are real, that are the things they're actually, you know, wanting and asking for, as opposed to what we're thinking they need and kind of doing that whole, you know, we'll give you what you think you need. So we really have been privileged to help meet needs with masks. And the coolest thing about our mask making effort now is that it's part of our STEP program, which is the Sewing and Textile Employment Pathway. And it's one of our favorite programs. It's a vocational training program and it pays apprentices as they go through the process of learning to sew professionally. They get 720 hours of experience in the program, which again is totally flexible, really compassionate. And often we're typically serving survivors of domestic violence and people who have faced institutional injustices or serious personal challenges and traumas. And they come to us and find a really flexible, compassionate workplace where they can learn really vital employable skills. And masks are such a great starter project. They help with sewing straight lines. They get to learn production sewing skills right off the bat, how to batch things, how to batch cut, batch sew. And so that's been such a neat vehicle and that we're still able to meet needs when we're asked about it. And then we're able to kind of convert that into something that's serving the community in a completely separate way. We're still making scrub caps through STEP for doctors for NABMC, and that's really wonderful as well. So it's funny because we kind of kicked off sewing PPE just because we had the sewing machines and the know-how and the ability to hire people and make that change. And now we're still able to kind of, you know, support those same medical communities in a different way and go back to kind of our original mission in helping to employ people who have had you know, challenges in their background, but have all of this creativity and potential and ability to build strong careers. They just need a little bit of support. So with the STEP program and people who are on the program, are they selected or do they approach you? How does that happen? And do you offer flexible times to come in to, to be part of the program? Actually, the way that we have gotten apprentices for our STEP program yep. is through partnerships with other community organizations. Right. All of our apprentices so far have been referred to us by Sharon Manor, which is a local shelter, or 
Northland Family Help Center, which is a shelter. And so we basically work with them to get referrals and help make the whole process really nice and smooth. And then we, again, just try to be really flexible with timing and with understanding that people are overcoming a lot of things in their lives. And what they need us to do is support them and teach them and give them an opportunity to improve economic circumstances. Because they could be looking after family members on their own in very tough circumstances. So that flexibility is something that they would really value and gain from. So it sounds like a really supportive program. You know, and again, that 720 hour thing, as we've re-upped the program, we weren't even sure. We wanted to make sure we're super flexible with our participants so they can take a year to finish the program or more, however much they need in terms of figuring out that timing. We've got mothers in our programs. We've got people who are the sole caregiver for a parent in our programs. And our whole goal is to, you know, to work with that and to just be a really great, compassionate starting place. Right. One of the things that we didn't realize we were going to do early on, but we really do believe that sewing can change the world. And we think there's a million different ways you can do that. Sewing can be just such a great vehicle for causing positive change. So we have a lot of our programs work to just lower barriers to entry for people who are interested in starting their sewing journey or interested in just fiber arts and fiber art practices. We have a community classroom that is developed to be really inclusive and accessible. And so we have a pay what you can pricing model there. We try to offer as many scholarships as possible and make it really affordable and accessible for people to take classes. And then we also have a Create and Connect program, which is a program that's really near and dear to our hearts because it's completely an open studio. So for two hours a week for adults and two hours a week for teens, we open our studio doors and invite people in to come and use equipment, make friends. We really are all all about that kind of connection and sense of community. Sewing is expensive. We kind of know that as sewists typically, right? But it takes money to, to buy a sewing machine in the first place, especially when you're first getting started. It's like, what do I need? Do I need rotary cutters? I need needles. There's feels like there's a thousand things and that can be really overwhelming. Mm. And fabric is expensive often. And that can be a really hard barrier to conquer for folks. And so we invite people in to come learn how to use a sewing machine. That's one of ours with the fiber artist there on staff to just help if, if things go crazy or haywire. And we also have, you know, patterns and fabric that they can use. And the best part is that we can offer an environment in which people can collaborate with each other and make friends and break down isolation. One of the things for me when I first came to Threaded Together that was so special was having the opportunity to have social sewing experiences with the other ladies in the shop at the time, which is very much the same environment that we're creating at Create and Connect. Mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to make a vest once and it was very early in my sewing journey with the ladies and I got to use the machines that we had at Threaded Together and I was sewing with wax canvas for the first time and I had some support from the ladies there and when I got hung up on something I could talk to the team and we would figure out what we thought would look good. I ended up making a vest that's bound with camouflage fabric that was left over from our gown making project so okay. it turned into this really special thing that ended up being a gift for a loved one, but it also had so much heart and love in in it in that I got to walk away from making it, feeling a part of a bigger community. And so our hope with having Create and Connect available is that people will have access to the fiber arts community and to other sewists, in addition to having access to tools and supplies. The textile artist who is in the room, 
What sort of training do they get? We usually have two staff members who are on the team and there for Create and Connect, which is open to every single person in the community that might have an interest in coming in. And most of us have training in youth mental health first aid. Right. And I know a couple of our team members have mental health first aid training as well. And we try to keep up to date with all of that so that we have the right tools to deal with anything that might come up. But for the most part, in the first month that we had the program alone, we served 15 people. So it's been kind of growing gradually. But so far, it's been nothing but positive things. We've just had nothing but great experiences of people coming in and and learning to sew and discovering that potential that sewing has to be meditative and healing and just a great part of your life as an enriching activity. So you mentioned that in the workshop that you were in to make the vest that it was ladies. Is it just specifically for women or is it for all people? One of the things we're so passionate about at Threaded Together is breaking down that mental image that a lot of folks have of what a sewist should look like or be like. We don't love that idea. We want to make sure that sewing is for everybody. We truly believe that. And that's kind of the whole basis of our accessibility ideas. But also, it's not just for one kind of person. We want everyone to feel very welcome to come and sew. And by coincidence, that early group of sewists, we were all ladies. But over time, we're hoping to kind of grow diversity. We're really enjoying having some male instructors come in and teach crochet. In our teen program, that's called Sewing Squad, which is one of my very favorite programs because I got to be a teacher and instructor in Sewing Squad a couple of times. Sewing Squad is a free after-school program for teens facing adversity. And largely, this last session, we had the privilege of working with just a really creative, energetic group of teens from Ponderosa High School, which is a local transition school, and from Coconino County Juvenile Court. So all of these kids are survivors of trauma. They're going through a lot in their lives but they're so incredible. They come into the shop and it's an infusion of just joy and energy and so much creative spirit. And that program is really teen led. The kids come in, we put on some Lady Gaga, have lots of fun, but they pick their project. They decide what they want to learn. If they want to make a stuffed animal, we make a stuffed animal. If they want to make a dress, we make a dress. We figure out what they'd like to learn and work with them. Um, And it's a little chaotic sometimes because there's more of them than there are us, but it's a really joyful process. And One of my very favorite experiences at Sewing Squad, there was a young man who came in one day and he kind of walked in with that look on his face like, isn't sewing for girls? He was feeling a little dejected and not super connected with the idea. And he sits down and um, starts talking about what he'd like to do and make. And he had a pair of pants that are intentionally torn, but he was like, I want to make these more me. And so he and I sat down, we put our heads together and we had this book. It was bound in like heavy cardboard of upholstery samples that were donated from a like window coverings company. So there are these pieces of upholstery fabric with the pink edges and they're, they're not really meant for sewing projects, but we went through them and we found this really fun one. that was like a blue and like silver zebra print. It was like if a zebra and an abalone shell got kind of mixed together <laughs> and he sewed it, he hand basted a patch that he made from that upholstery fabric on the backside of the holes in his jeans. And picked a couple of cool ones. And he came up with this really like neat project. I mean, it looked a little like visible mending, but it was really cool. Really expressed his personality. And he was so engaged, so excited. One of the most excited young sewists I've met or people who, who really felt like they took to it immediately. And that's what we like to see. We like to see everyone, all genders, all ages, coming in, engaging with fiber arts and meeting people that care about them and building community. That's really good. We finished up a project. It was a quilting project where we invited people across our area, crazy cross sections of community to come together and make a community quilt that expressed feelings of hope and healing in light of the pandemic. 
So we're all feeling really isolated. Most of us spent 2020 in what felt like our own little box, right? Our own little bubble. And so we invited everyone to take quilt squares that were the size of an adult pleated mask when we were making adult pleated masks the first yep. time. So yep. that was the dimension we picked. So it would be meaningful. And we invited people to decorate a quilt square with whatever they were feeling, whatever brought them hope, to tell their story about COVID. And it was a really neat idea and a neat project. One of the things I loved the most about it, though, was the variety of places that invited us to bring blocks and the variety of people who ended up decorating them. So we had a local nonprofit called Tinkertopia that teaches STEAM and STEM programs for little kids in our community. Mm-hmm. And they invited the little ones to come in and they had some quilt blocks for them. So we had some really small folks um, taking part. And we told everyone, you didn't have to sew, you could use a you know, marker, or whatever you wanted. We had one with puffy glitter paint, you know, to decorate and to tell your story. And we had students from our local university decorate some that were really cool. And we went to our local, there's a the senior living community in our, in our area that invited us to come in and do a workshop. And we had the chance to talk to residents there. And that was really special. And we got to hear stories about quilting experience. We had some folks from the memory care unit who just wanted to do something fun for an afternoon. And we got to have their input. And our local mead hall, this <laughs> was a small business. They make and brew mead and Flagstaff and they have a tasting room and they put out kits in their tasting room. So people were drinking mead and and decorating quilt blocks and we got to put them all together and take all of those moments that were isolated from all over, from every age group and gender and stitch them into one really beautiful piece that's just so neat to see. And our executive director, Lindsay Watson, did a stunning job. She pieced it together. She did the binding. I don't think she quilted it. I think she tied it, but the finished product is lovely. And we got to display it at our public library recently. And then I'm excited because on May 6th, it'll be at a little gallery here in Flagstaff called the Ice House. So you're invited to display it again. It's just neat to see, to take part in those projects that are by and about the community. That quilt belongs to the community. And it just really told a story and and allowed people to connect. And that's what we're all about. It's just, just helping people connect and get creative. Congratulations on having that quilt created by lots of various people within the community from different ages. And, you know, now it belongs to the community and it was all facilitated by Threaded Together. Yeah, it was it was a really special project. And it was just one small thing. You know, it wasn't necessarily related to any of our larger programs. It wasn't a part of Sewing Squad or anything, but it, it was something really neat that we could do for people to, to bring people together. And so we've had a lot of, of neat opportunities like that. We had a day of of stitching at the public library where we went out to the lawn and we helped kids that day stitch ringtail cats onto burlap bags. And those burlap bags are donated by a local coffee company. So we've just had this joy of seeing the way that sewing brings people together and how that can really heal the community and how that can really create opportunities that are economic and opportunities that are just for mentorship for teenagers who just need one caring person to just believe in them. So it's just a special thing. I could talk about Threaded Together forever. I love everything that we do. And the fact that it's together means that there's a lot of opportunities for people to connect and not feel isolated in any part of the community. So that's great. We also try really hard to offer online classes still too for folks who aren't comfortable coming to in-person things just yet. Okay. And we do still offer, you know, social distancing and all of our stuff, but we're hoping Create and Connect just continues to grow as a free gathering opportunity. Um, We try really hard to make sure Threaded Together is always just a safe and welcoming space. We've had teens come for sewing squad hours and they're going through a lot in their lives and 
They're all survivors. They're all incredible kids. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they come in and they just don't feel like working on sewing a teddy bear or making a dress. And they just hang out with us, you know, just sit in the front room and, and be at Reddit together. And that's fine too. Just being able to be a safe space and a hub in the community is really special. What are the goals for Threaded Together this year? Yeah, I think in that we're always trying to pivot. I nonprofits use that word all the time this after the pandemic because they pivot, but we we are. We're here to pivot to meet whatever needs the community has. Mm-hmm. Our goals are just to to continue to grow the step program. Um, since we talked to Jenny and Beverly, we've had new apprentices on board, which is really cool. So that program has grown to impact more people. We've also had some new projects that are really cool. So I hadn't even got a chance to talk about how much we love sustainability. And we really care about making sure all of our programs kind of harken back to using all of the materials that you can and breaking away from cycles of fast fashion and and using natural materials where possible. And in our STEP program, recently we have a partnership with Northern Arizona University and they bring us all their old advertising materials, their banners. Oh, yes. They have these lovely vinyl banners. They use for promoting concerts and events. And they're so much fun because they're colorful. And we've been cutting them and turning them into tote bags that they sell at the university bookstore. And again, it's a great project for apprentices to learn professional skills. It's kind of a weird fabric. It, it teaches you a lot of really good stuff. And our favorite part about that program is we just recently learned we finished 300 tote bags now in the program, which is 1,500 feet of just material that's been diverted mm-hmm. from our local landfills. That's been really exciting, just seeing the way staff grows. We're hoping that Sewing Squad keeps going strong. We're hoping to expand that program just a little bit for and potentially offer more opportunities. So in the past, we've worked with partners like the Boys and Girls Club, Ponderosa High School, and Coconino County Juvenile Court. We're potentially going to partner with some of our other shelter partnerships to work in their facilities and do some teaching for teens for Sewing Squad in the future. We just have so many wonderful ideas all the time, so many things coming down the pike. And one of our goals is just to keep growing in a sustainable way and keep doing the heart-centered work that we're privileged to get to do every day. So Sierra, where can we find Threaded Together? So you can find us on Instagram at ThreadedTogetherAZ. You can also find us online at ThreadedTogether.org. And we would love to hear from you and have you get in touch if you'd like to make a donation or just learn more about us. I'm the person running the social media, so I'm always happy to answer plenty of questions via DM and and to interact with more folks in the sewing community. I think sewing people are the best people, so I always love to to be a part of that. Sierra, thank you for coming on to the podcast to talk about Threaded Together, and thank you for providing us with all the new programs Threaded Together is now implementing since your October podcast with Beverly and Jenny. Yeah, it's been such a joy to share our journey with you. I mean, when we talked to, to Jenny and Beverly, we didn't even have Create and Connect going yet. So now we're seeing that happen in, in reality. And it's been really lovely to share. We, we love So Over 50 and it's such a joy to listen to So Organized Style. So we're thrilled that you wanted to chat with us. Thank you so much, Sierra. And all the best for Threaded Together. Yeah, no problem. It was so lovely chatting with you. <laughs> Take care, Maria. Bye. Listeners, remember to direct message So Over 50 on Instagram to be a volunteer guest editor. This episode for So Over 50 podcast on So Organised Style was produced by me, Maria Thea Harris, with permission of Sierra from Threaded Together, sound by bensound.com. You can subscribe to So Organised Style podcast, but with an S not a Z on all good podcast apps. Make sure you go back and listen to our free So Over 50 podcast archive 
And if you can, consider supporting the production of this podcast on Patreon. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone.